Hello and welcome to Plot Trisk. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing the Wisteria Society of Lady Scoundrels by India Holton. So this just came out in 2021 and full disclosure, we did get a free complimentary copy from NetCali. And this is the first book in a new series known as The Dangerous Damsels. So what is this book about, Lane? Let's read the jacket. Cecilia Bassingwave is the ideal Victorian lady. She's also a thief. Like the other members of the Wisteria Society crime sorority, she flies around England drinking tea, blackmailing friends, and acquiring treasure by interesting means. Sure, she has a dark and dramatic past and an overbearing aunt, but all things considered, it's a pleasant existence. Until the men show up. Ned Lightborn is a sometimes assassin who is smitten with Cecilia from the moment they meet. Unfortunately, that happens to be while he's under direct orders to kill her. His employer, Captain Morvath, who possesses a gothic abbey bristling with cannons and an unbridled hate for the world, intends to rid England of all its presumptuous women, starting with the Wisteria Society. Ned has plans of his own, but both men have made one grave mistake. Never underestimate a woman. When Morvath imperils the Wisteria Society, Cecilia is forced to team up with her handsome would-be assassin to save the woman who raised her, hopefully proving, once and for all, that she's as much of a scoundrel as the rest of them. Uh, th this book jacket is inaccurate at several points. However, I almost feel like the inaccuracy is, like, accurate. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you mean, and I don't know how to convey it better than that. I think this is a pretty good book jacket. I think it really captures the book. The, the writing style is very similar. Mm -hmm. um, so if, I would say if you were intrigued by that jacket, you should try reading this book. I would say the only thing missing that we will definitely talk about later in this review are all of the literary illusions. Yes. Because I don't think there are any in this jacket unless I'm missing, missing something. I don't think so. And the book is so full of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, yeah. We, <laughs> I think it's going to make up a lot of our conversation today, actually. Yeah. So as usual, we generated a random number and wrote our own summary. And this week, our random number was five. So my five-word summary, a guide to pirate manners. I think, that's, I think that is a wonderful summary, Lane. Thank you. Here's mine. Pack your poetry and your weaponry. Yes, accurate. You, you may think that that was six words, but please note I replaced the and with an ampersand. So technically, there are only five words. Also, a reminder, we make the rules. I was going to say, <laughs> if I was going to break the, five, the number summary for a book, this would be the one. And it was right. completely appropriate. So <laughs> <laughs> we decided it was fine. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. So what are the tropes? This book is jam-packed with tropes. Some that aren't romance tropes. So yes. we're definitely not going to cover all of them today. No. One of the big romance tropes is that there is a time in the book where there, there's only one bed. This was maybe my favorite sequence in the book. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so also in that sequence, they are pretending to be married. Yes. Trope. And he has to help undress her because she doesn't have a lady's maid. Yep. So uh, this entire sequence was romance trope central, and I am obsessed with it. It was great. Yeah, so this whole sequence is just chock full of romance tropes. It's also the longest sequence of the book where it's just Ned and... Cecilia. Cecilia. Mm-hmm. Alone? Yes. Um, and it, it had a couple of other tropes. I would say woman gets drunk for the first time. Yes. Happens in this sequence. So I, it was really, really fun. And I think the closest sequence to what we would call like a normal romance novel structure. it was really fun uh so we talk about battle couples on the podcast pretty often and i would say that ned and cecilia are a pretty good example of a battle couple yeah and not just because he has been hired to kill her (laughs) this is the only reason why but yeah and she takes pride in assassination attempts Mm mm-hmm not just because of those reasons. Not just. Those do contribute. Yes. They are pithy, though. Like, they're a battle couple both in terms of both of them threatening each other all the time in literal battle, mm-hmm. but also in terms of constantly sparring and refusing to believe the other is looking out for their best interests. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just very fun. Very yes. fun. So I guess enemies to lovers by that virtue, but it's not, here's the thing. These are not characters with a ton of history hating each other. Right. They meet for the first time in chapter one. Correct. So I, I, I think when I think of the enemies to lovers trope, I think of people who hated each other prior to the events of the book. Yeah, yeah, hated each other before the events of the book or that have a a long-seated feud or something that makes them natural enemies, something like that. Yes, exactly. Like, families are enemies, and so even if they've never met, they hate each other. Right. On principle. Like, that's not really the case here. Yes. So I thought Lane would be proud of me. I put Sins of the Father in here. You did! I saw that, and... Oh. oh, we also have like a fully. This is, I think, more of a trope of some certain kind of comedy. Mm-hmm. All the women in one family have the same name. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a romance trope, but I think it like parts of this book reminded me of P.G. Woodhouse. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I said Lord Peter Wimsey, but let's be honest, similar tropes. Yeah, no, absolutely. So. I think that brand of generally British comedy. Okay. Oh, debt to the one who saved your life. Mm. Yes. Yeah, you save, you save someone's life and then you're responsible for them forever. Um, yeah, there's a ton of different variations on this. Yeah. Like sometimes it's you save a life and so they make a promise that's unbreakable. Or, right. You know. But it's definitely an adventure novel trope. Yeah. So there, there is actually another couple, a B couple, B couple, C couple, F couple. There's another, there's a couple. And they pretend to be servants. Yeah.
There's a lot of, so Ned is sort of a spy with many identities. <laughs> He's got, I, he, I was trying to add them up and I came up with five, but there may also be six, seven. But him having, like, she only knows him as one person. Mm-hmm. So it's not what you may be thinking in terms of like people living under assumed identities at all. No, 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 no. And so part of their piracy actually ends up looking a lot more like spying in certain moments. Mm-hmm. So sure the does. Just, like servants remind me a lot of spy adventure novels too. I mean, honestly, even what the fourth lady Sherlock. Yes, it's true. It's true. So of course everyone can see what you can't because you're too close to it. And in this case, it's another character telling her that she's obviously going to marry Ned before they've even admitted they like each other, yeah. other with their tongues. <laughs> yes, but I mean, it happens later too, you know, like mm-hmm. anyway, there, there are lots of, they're not matchmaking, they're not matchmaking mamas, but there are matchmaking older ladies. Yes, aunties. <laughs> let's, let's call them aunties, yes. <laughs> so... But anyway, a lot of just there's just so many tropes packed in here. Yes. And I would say there's just two more with Cecilia. She is the assassin who doesn't like violence. Mm-hmm. And she's the blue stocking woman who loves books to the point that there's constant references to libraries in this text and how like libraries are her safe place and how she always has to have the backup emergency book. Right. And then mm-hmm. that gets taken to. Honestly, maybe the most extreme example of it I've ever seen in a book. It's true. <laughs> so um, we have the bodyguard as a trope. Yes. Yeah, he's, he is her assassin, but also her bodyguard. Yeah, he, oh my God. It's like such a romance trope because he's her enemy, but he's also protecting her from herself, but then protecting her from other people is a whole thing. It's the whole thing. He's, he's every trope you can think of in one person. I mean, that's why he has five identities. Let's be honest. Oh, and I love especially, and I don't know how to say this other than like the allusion to the Portuguese count. Yes. Like I, for some reason, Portugal always ends up like the country no one can fact check. Right. <laughs> yeah. Look, there are more tropes than what we've identified. There are more. I will just well, say that. Especially because if what you consider a trope is something that appears regularly in literature, this book is just chock full of so many illusions we can't we can't cover them all. Yeah. So one thing you may not have gotten from the book jacket is that this, this does have a little bit of gas lamp fantasy in it. So, like, on the one hand, we, we could have said, okay, it's, it's not really fantasy if there's a, a league of scoundrels, a league, league of lady scoundrels who steal things. Mm-hmm. They also engage in piracy with houses. So what, what does that mean? They can make houses fly, and they equip the houses with cannons and machine guns and stuff like that. And they fly around, and they have pitched battles in the air between different houses. 
So houses can fly. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. Yeah. So one, this is fake Victorian era with like a more women's lib spin. Mm-hmm. Not super anachronistically in the sense that like women can't vote in this society, but women do have this like pirate society where pirates are actually magical beings. Unclear to what degree that is innate versus learned. Well, it sounds like it's mostly learned. I would agree with that. Yes. But there's also clearly normal people. Yeah. And the question is to what degree magic exists outside the piracy sphere is not really addressed in the text. No, not at all. Um, But so I think this reminded me a lot of like airships. Yes. In a lot of gas lamp or even just fantasy stuff, Mm -hmm. except those the airships happen to be shaped like houses. Yes. Uh, so, so Lane said that this is Victorian era with, with a feminist spin. It is not, we're not talking about like Lady Sherlock here where we're, we're going very historically accurate and these women are struggling against, um, being suppressed by society. And like in the last Lady Sherlock, there was a whole subplot about the, her inheriting her, her father's company. Um, I would say the feminist critique in this one is best summed up by the book jacket. The women are doing all this badass stuff stuff until the men arrive. Yes. I would also say, though, that there's a lot of 21st century feminism, feminist vocabulary, things like that. They talk about the patriarchy, you know, things that that you just wouldn't talk about in the 1890s. Mm -hmm. One of the chapter headings has a reference to the Bechdel test. Right. And there's not, like, references to Christabel Pankhurst chaining herself to the gates of the courthouse. Like, this is very much entirely a fictitious, modern imposition onto the Victorian world. Yes. So, I was doing notes for this, and I was like, how do I describe this? How do I describe this book? And I finally was like, I'm just going to go full literary criticism here and say that this is a postmodern historical romance novel mm-hmm. and what do I mean by that well, what I mean is it, it doesn't make any attempt at being historically accurate and yet at the same time all of all of the all of the things that they talk about so a lot of they talk a lot about books as Lane mentioned, but they talk about the romantic poets. They talk about the Victorian poets. Um, They talk about the Brontes a lot. (laughs) And so it's, it's this, this reference, like they're creating meaning from these, from just references to other works of art, which I think Mm -hmm. is really interesting on the one hand, but it can be off-putting if you're not a huge Bronte fan, on the other hand. I mean, honestly, I found this book to be a little inaccessible. Mm-hmm. I'm not the world's biggest Bronte fan. Honestly, the Victorians are sort of the era I skim <laughs> and have read as little of as I could get away with. The era I skim. <laughs> I, I Let's took a real. class. I took a class in undergrad. My advisor, I was an English major. 
and her specialty was Victorian literature. And she got, I think, I think everyone who took this class with her got so into it. She read us aloud from Middlemarch. So we read Middlemarch, which is one of my favorite books. She read aloud from Middlemarch. She cried in class reading the book. She has written like a million articles on Middlemarch. And she still was like, oh, it gets me every time. <laughs> so I was, so I think, this, I that, think it was that very professor fine. might love this book. I think she might be really into it. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I definitely found myself being frustrated knowing I was missing things. Mm-hmm. It's still a fun book. And I definitely enjoyed reading it. And like the world building and the pirate stuff was crazy fun. Yes. But I felt like 30% of this book went over my head. Yeah. I mean, I, I, found references to the Bronte sisters, to Terry Pratchett. So this is not Victorian literature, right? This is like modern fantasy, not modern, you know, like today's fantasy, Um, to to, uh, Dorothy Sayers, which is in the 1930s, to To Say Nothing of the Dog, which is modern science fiction, to the romantic poets, um, to Dracula. Yep, there was a lot of... (laughs) that specific Victorian Gothic. Yes. So there, I mean, there are references to so many books and I'm sure I know that I have missed references to, to things. Um, On the one hand, it can be fun to catch the references. On the other hand, if you only catch 20 or 30%, you're kind of like, okay, what am I missing here? You know, (laughs) I I would honestly strongly recommend anyone who is interested in reading this book, who doesn't have Wuthering Heights relatively memorized, maybe (laughs) read Wuthering Heights first. (laughs) They are totally completely different, but I don't think I finished Wuthering Heights. So, so much of this went over my head. Yeah, I I did not. So I read Wuthering Heights. I only read Wuthering Heights once, but I I have recently been on a Bronte sisters kick. So I think that good helped. timing. It was very good timing. <laughs> it was very good timing. So overall, the plot structure of this book, in the most spoiler-free way I can describe it. Cecilia is the daughter of the bad guy and a woman who's a part of this very respected pirate society. Mm -hmm. She is young, but very accomplished in piracy and doesn't really understand why she's not being allowed to climb the ranks. Mm -hmm. Then one day the bad guy succeeds in rendering impotent every other member of the pirate society except for her Mm -hmm. so she gets to go out and prove herself with the man whose motives and identity are unclear as her only real ally and so it's about her cecilia and ned trying to save the society and thwart the bad guy in the winnowed down to its absolute straightforward plot point yes that's that's what this book is just like in case after the crazy jacket and after all of our rambling about victorian lit you were like wait what the hell is this story what is that's this? like that's the basic structure <laughs> this book is very dry in the way it's written 
Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. It's definitely a book that funny wordplay and exceptional circumstances take pre- precedence over characterization and character development. Mm-hmm. Every character is sort of a stock character because this book is funny for the situations it puts them in, not for who they are. Right. We've seen that work in some books we've reviewed. We've seen that not work. I will say within this writing style, this might be the most sexually explicit one we've read. Yes. That is not to say it's all that explicit. No. But it's not fade to black. It's not like some of the wordplay are just straight up dirty puns. (laughs) It's so funny. And I actually really appreciated that. I was like dying. (laughs) And I like, I felt like a teenage boy. Well, like there's this one sequence where he's like, she's she's talking about how she's gonna um, render him impotent, and he's like, well, you might find it a little hard. <laughs> and she goes, no, I think he would just be a little prick. <laughs> like, why is that so fucking funny? It is. I don't know what uh, to look, tell you. It's just funny, okay? Yeah, I um laughed a lot when I was reading this. For all that I'm complaining about how I definitely missed some Wuthering Heights references, I picked up on the dick jokes. (laughs) I got those. (laughs) So for all of, for everyone who doesn't, is not a huge fan of Victorian literature, if you like dirty jokes, you will still get 75% of the jokes in this book. Because they're dick jokes. (laughs) Yes. Or old lady jokes. Or pervy old lady jokes. Which, oh my god, pervy old lady jokes are like one of the best parts of historical romance, aren't they? And this takes it up to 11. It's really fun. It's so much fun. All right, so in this romp of a book that takes pretty much nothing seriously, what would you say are content warnings our listeners might want to be aware of? I mean, there's there's a lot of violence. It's very cartoonish violence. Um, and you know, there's blood and there's stabbings and shootings and stuff like that, but, but no one really dies. It's also the difference I feel like between, oh, the bullet ricocheted and got him in the shoulder versus like, he felt the trigger pull and knew the bullet was going to tear through muscle, sinew and flesh. And he watched the life essence drain from his body. Like it is, like you said, it's very cartoonish violence, but it is a lot of violence. Yes. Um, Also, as the book jacket states, Cecilia does have a dark, traumatic past. Yeah. It's very dark and very traumatic. And you know what? Ned also has a very dark and traumatic past. These they are, are both, both. Oh my yes. God, Meg! They are both sad, tragic orphans. Oh, it, there's literally. Oh my God, like there's literally a part in this book. I want to point this out because I thought it was so funny. I almost died. So, <laughs> one of the things that I dislike about romance is when they make the conflict all about a misunderstanding or a miscommunication. That happens in this book. However, I thought the way it was handled was so funny. There's literally, there's literally a part where they don't understand each other. And it says, 
they didn't think about explaining themselves because they were both poor motherless children. <laughs> and I was like, this is every romance novel. <laughs> she's just going to lay it out. She's going to lay it bare for you. It was, yeah. But it, so it's very tragic and it's treated very lightly. Yes. It worked for us. Yes. It, it it worked for us. I'll just say I just I'm not offended by this. I am mentioning it because it is possible that this could be tough for someone else to read. Right. Um. How did you feel? So Meg mentioned there's a B couple, and the primary misunderstanding with the B couple at the beginning of the book it's Tom and. Constantinopolina? Constantinopla. Yeah, they call her Opli. Thank you. Constantinopla. And they reveal very early on that they've been like sneaking around and having sex, and she's been lying about her age. Yeah. And she's actually 16. They're both they teens, so he's 19. Right, right, right. So it's not like full statch in most states or anything, but. Full, full statch. That's, that's how I'm going to call it from now on. <laughs> full statch. Um, but ultimately, there is a plot point about a 16-year-old having sex with an older man who thinks she is older. And it is sort of played for laughs. Because uh, everything in this book is played for laughs. Yeah. I... The, here's, here's the thing. There, you read it and you think to yourself, should I have a problem with this? Because I don't. <laughs> yeah, but just, we're here for full disclosure. Okay. If a 16-year-old lying to her 19-year-old boyfriend about being 16 isn't something you really want to read a joke about, you yes. might not love this. <laughs> you might not be into it. Uh, I, I, thought, I thought it was very interesting as well the way it was handled actually too because it's implied that that Opley is just as mature as Tom if not more mature if not more exactly and I think that's part of why you can be like okay yeah I I'm I can I'm cool with this yes and once again we're not talking about an adult man and a child, but the joke is sort of that he thinks it's like an adult man with a child. Yes. And she views them as peers. Yes. Well, and, and she's you probably is, right. Yes. But it's still not necessarily a, a non-controversial. Yes. I will say there are two occasions where Cecilia gets drunk or otherwise altered mm -hmm. <laughs> on different substances. Somebody just casually eats cocaine cakes at one point in this book. So, like, there's a lot going on. Look, we read Marrying Winterborn, and Lisa Kleypas did not go so far as to say there's cocaine in this headache powder, but Lane and I know there was cocaine in that headache powder. Yes. And they actually got it on after she had that cocaine powder. <laughs> and at least here, after she has the cocaine or she has the, she gets totally drunk, they don't actually have sex. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it makes sense as a postmodern feminist take on Victorian gaslight piracy that consent is really emphasized. Yes, it is. I was almost okay. I I was not disappointed that when she got so drunk, she got real drunk. Uh, I was not disappointed that they did not, you know, make out. They didn't even kiss or anything. That said, I was a little frustrated that the one bed in the inn was wasted. And it's it was played really well. Like, he makes the decision not even to sleep in the bed with her. I know, because in, in many other books, he would decide to, I'll just sleep next to her over the covers. And then the next morning, they'd wake up and she'd be back in her right Is mind. It? And then they could get it on. Which, for the record, she did not wake up back in her right mind. But... It's a little more accurate than that. Yeah, it's a... Uh, but it, that beautiful golden bed was put to waste. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay. I, I, I personally did not find anything offensive in the book. But there you go. Those are all the content warnings. Yep. How sexy was this book, Lane? Sexier than I was expecting. Right. In that, I think a lot of books that we've read with this like lighter, more matter of fact, but humorous fantasy esque world building often end up being very moderately sexy, very fade to black, especially as part of a series. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm thinking of the Lady Jewel Diviner. Yeah. Like maybe one kiss, or if the characters do have sex, it is fade to black behind a bedroom door and like this was palpable sexual tension uh, look for a book that we have been saying takes everything of the second degree it's very ironic um the you know the character the, there's a little bit of distance between the narrator and the characters right mm -hmm. you still felt like these two characters were really into each other yes I was convinced that they just wanted to have sex with each other. Yes. And it was, uh, it, they're obviously trying to resist for various reasons or deny for various reasons. And it was just really cute and really fun. And then when they did finally hook up, it wasn't fade to black. No, it was not fade to black. It was one of my favorite sex tropes. And that Lane and I have debated in the past which is, it's in like the middle of the action, whether that action be a fire in a factory or a battlefield or, you know, whatever. It's like real action packed. And they're like, this could be our last moment to be together. We have to have sex. Yeah, not my favorite trope when I'm supposed to take it seriously. Right. Totally worked for me here. Exactly. And and that's the thing. I really think India Holton India Holton took the tropes that we love but can have issues with and just put them and she was just like, I will deploy these tropes for you so that you may enjoy them without having to think too critically about them. Right. Like I will still get drunk and go on rants about Elizabeth and Will getting married in the middle of a pirate battle in Pirates of the Caribbean and how much I hated that. Mm -hmm. This was perfect. When, when she's like, I'm sorry, we're in a pirate battle, but DTF? <laughs> and he's like, 
He's like, can I make this house go faster? It, like, just really enjoyed it. It's great. I will say, I would recommend this book, especially if you're into Victorian lit. That said, I will be rereading it sometime next year, probably, after I read all of the canonical Bronte works. Can I tell you the last thing? I'm spoiling something. Okay. It's incredibly minor. It's incredibly minor. Um, Cecilia's aunt cannot, and honestly, all of the old ladies in this book do not remember people's names. Mm-mm. Uh-huh. And at one point, a discussion, Charles Darwin gets brought up, but you don't realize that because the aunt only thinks his name was Chubber Darwin. Yes. And I don't know why. I, like, laughed till I cried when I read Chubber Darwin. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I'm laughing right now. It was, like, the context in which it happens is just so damn hilarious. It's really funny. Every time someone's name gets fucked up, like, I shouldn't have found it funny every time I did. Like Jacobson. <laughs> the whole time. And sometimes it's like Jimmel Smith. It's like not even close. But just for some reason, particularly, I am never going to forget Chubber Darwin. <laughs> it worked. It worked for us. Um, so advice to romance authors, more dick jokes. <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening we love it if you could rate review subscribe check us out around the internet like on instagram at plot trips or goodreads slash plot trips 